Well, thank you so much. If you brought your Bible, please turn to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. I'm sorry, John chapter 4. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And we want to look at verses 1 and following. John chapter 4. This morning I want to share with you a sermon that I've entitled, A Sinner Turned Evangelist. A Sinner Turned Evangelist. And I appreciate our men's trio of introducing this chapter, my sermon, for me. John chapter 4, verse 1. And when therefore the Lord knew how Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples... He left Judea and departed into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Then cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children, and his cattle. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that sayest thou truly, The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in the mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. 
God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said unto him, I know that Messiah's coming, which is called Christ, and when he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples, and marveled that he talked with a woman, and yet no man said, What seekest thou, or what talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all the things that I ever did. Is not this Christ? Then they went out of the city and they came to him. In the coming weeks, many of us will be preparing to serve as Matthews in our my whole personal crusades. And, and, and literally the... There are personal crusades. We'll be inviting friends, family members, and friends, and work associates, classmates uh, into our homes to hear the gospel, to hear our testimony, then have the opportunity as the Holy Spirit moves upon those to ask Christ to come into their life and save them. So with that in mind, God wants us to, to look at John 4, 1 through 30, and kindly seek some instructions on how we can seek to lead others to Jesus Christ. Now, I'm taken back by the statement there in verse 4, and John says that Jesus must needs go through Samaria. Now, Jesus never did anything haphazardly. Everything that Jesus did was according to the divine plan of the Father. On this occasion... There was a woman in Samaria who needed to hear about the water of life. Literally, she needed to hear about salvation. And so after arriving at the city, he just sat down at the city well and began to wait. He knew that she would be there. And while Jesus was sitting there, he turned and he saw this woman coming with a water pot on her head. That was a common way to carry water jugs. And Jesus noticed, no doubt, traces of of, uh, fading beauty on her face. Jesus noticed the sadness, perhaps, on her face and, and the emptiness on her face and the disillusionment that she had on her face. She was a woman whose life was filled with problems. Many of those problems were of her own making. So the Lord begins to unravel her problems. He can do that, you know. He's the problem solver. So he begins to unravel the problems that she has in her life. And the first problem that she had was her tongue. Now, Jesus asked her for a drink of water in verse 7, and she replies to him in verse 9, and she said, the woman of Samaria said unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now, her response was something like this. How is it being a Jew, you ask a drink from a woman of Samaria? 
And with just that statement, her tongue problem indicated the prejudice and the hostility that this woman had in her life. What are you asking me for a drink of water? I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew. Verse 9 reminds us that the Jews had no dealing with Samaritans for hundreds of years. Notice verse 9, the woman said, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask for me a drink of a Samarian, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. For over a hundred, uh, for hundreds of years, the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along. So the question is this, is prejudice a problem in our day? You say, well, no, Brother Sam, it's not a problem today. Oh, yes, it is. But there are different forms of prejudice. There's racism, there is uh, economic prejudice, there's social prejudice, there is religious prejudice. But the lady had lumped all Jews into, into one sack, so to speak. She believed what she had seen with some Jewish people that it was true of all Jewish people. Oftentimes we're that way ourselves. But notice, Jesus gave no evidence of being prejudiced. That's why the Bible says, I must needs go through Samaria. Now picture in your mind just a moment, I want you to picture the geography of where Jesus was. And you have, let's say you have three tiers. You have, first you have, you have uh, Judea, and in the middle you have Samaria. And at the top, you have Galilee. And Jesus was going to Galilee. The quickest way to get to Galilee is to go through Judea straight into, uh, into Samaria. But the Orthodox Jew would go east and cross the Jordan River, go beyond Samaria, and then turn west and go into Galilee. Jesus went straight into Samaria. Now here's the point, taking a lesson from Jesus. If we're going to share the gospel with people, we have to accept people where they are. We have to accept people where they are with all of their hang-ups, with all of their prejudice, and we have to lead them to a place where they can receive the water of life. That's why a slogan at our church is Mountain View Baptist Church, a church reaching out to all people. All people. And so first, this lady had a problem. It was a tongue problem. It revealed a deeper problem, which was prejudice. But secondly, this woman had a thirst problem. She came at noontime. She was an outcast. The other women came early in the morning. They came late in the afternoon. She came at noon where no other women, no other women were there. She came at noontime to draw water from Jacob's well, and she said some things which indicated her ignorance of this living water. Look at verse 10. She said, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it, is that give it to thee, give me to drink. Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given you 
living water. She didn't know about salvation. She didn't know about this living water. She didn't know that salvation was a gift. She didn't know that, that you could earn salvation. You couldn't merit salvation. You didn't deserve salvation, but God would just give you salvation. She didn't know any of that. She didn't know Jesus. She didn't know His power. She didn't know that Jesus Christ could refresh her with grace and glory and could produce living water in her heart. She didn't know any of that. So she had a thirst problem. Jesus makes a statement there in verse 13, if you will notice. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water, speaking of the well water, Jacob's well, will thirst again. See, Jesus made that statement, and it kind of aroused her interest because she was a thirsty woman. And Jesus said, I have water that you can drink, and you'll never thirst again. Imagine that. Now, there are many wells that people go to today. They go there to find refreshment for their souls today. Solomon tried some of these wells. Solomon, the smartest man in the Bible, tried the well of wealth, but it didn't satisfy. He tried the well of pleasure, it didn't satisfy. He tried the, the well of lust, and it didn't satisfy. Today, we've added other wells. We've dug other wells. We've added the well of alcohol. We've added the well of drugs. We've added the well of sex. None of those things tend to satisfy a deep longing in a person's heart and soul. But notice what Jesus said in verse 13. Jesus said in verse 13, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But verse 14, Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus was talking about salvation, the water of life. Jesus used simple things to describe salvation, just simple illustrations. At one time, he said, I'm the door. I'm the door. If you come in, you'll be saved. That's how simple salvation is. Here, salvation is like a drink of water. As Christians, having, without, being without Christ, we take a drink of this living water, this salvation, this, this gushing forth will satisfy your life. So she was interested in this water. She was interested in this salvation. Look at verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come back to this well to draw. She was interested in the water. You know, you got to want to be saved. You have to want to come to Christ. You have to have that desire to come to Christ. She was thirsty. A lot of thirsty people today. So she had a problem with her tongue. She had a thirst problem. But she had a transgression problem. All of a sudden, this story takes a turn. Look at verse 16. Jesus just out of nowhere says, Go call your husband and come here. 
of a sudden, Jesus brings to her mind her sin. She tried to cover it up. Notice that. She said there in verse 17, woman, and said, I have no husband. Well, I would have thought she didn't have a husband. Jesus knew more. She really didn't want to face her sin. She wanted to cover it up. She said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. Same is true today. We try to cover our sin. Do you ask a person about their sin? They'll give you answers like this. Well, it's just a new morality today. Or, it's just the times that we live in. Everybody is doing it. So Jesus has this woman to confront her sin there in verse 18. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that saidest thou truly. So Jesus removes her sin cover. And she was able to see her heart and see who she really was. Now I wonder if Jesus is speaking to us today. I wonder if Jesus perhaps is speaking to you. If he's speaking to you, he may say something like this. He may say, go call your spouse that you've hurt. Hey, I'll tell you what, go call your children that you've neglected. Or go call the businessman that you've conned or cheated. Or go call the young girl whose purity you've robbed. Or go call a friend that you've hurt. And you've offended and won't forgive. Go call that secret sin that's eating and gnawing at your soul. You see, the Word of God exposes us and, and there's no place to hide. You can never drink from the living water until first you're willing to turn from the wells of transgression that you've so often gone to. She had a transgression problem. She had a tongue problem. She had a thirst problem. But she had a theology problem. Look at verse 19. I'm about finished. The woman said to him, <laughs> now how's this? He confronts her with her sin, and she brings up worship. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. She had a theology problem. Verse 21, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when thou shalt neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers, notice that, the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Underline truth. Underline spirit. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. 
God is seeking those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit. There it is again. And in truth. Now, oftentimes you'll find, I've, I've found that when, when I'm sharing the gospel with someone or preparing to share the gospel with someone, the person gets under conviction and all of a sudden they want to become theological. So this lady, the town outcast, all of a sudden became a theologian. And she said, well, where are you supposed to worship? I mean, the Samaritans, we worship in the temple there on Mount Gerasim. You're a Jew. You say we're supposed to worship in Jerusalem there at the temple. Your church says go to Jerusalem. My church says go to Mount Gerasim to worship, which is the right place to worship. Do we hear that today? Under conviction, a person may say something like this. Well, who's right? The Baptist right? The Methodist right? The Church of Christ right? Are the Catholics right? Why are there so many denominations? Why, what about all those hypocrites in the church? Now notice how Jesus answered her. Verse 22 and 23. He said, you, you worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. True worshipers worship God in spirit and in truth. It's not about a place. It's the matter of the person. I mean, it's not that you have to worship in a, a church that has stained glass windows or carpet or, or chairs or you worship in a church that has the pews or you worship in traditional church or you worship in a cowboy church. It's, it's not about the place. It's about the person. How do you get to God? How do you get through to God? How do I worship Him? Let me tell you how. The only way anyone will ever worship God is through Jesus Christ. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. You cannot worship God if you do not know Jesus. That's a strong statement, isn't it? You get to heaven through Jesus and Him alone. And if you don't know Jesus, then your worship doesn't get to God. That's powerful. Whether you're Methodist, Baptist, Church of God... Mormon, Catholic, whomever, without having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, your worship is in vain. 
you get to God through Jesus. Verse 24. God is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, or cometh, which is called Christ, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus literally said, why don't you just look into my eyes, my face, because I am he. Now, what's the point? What's, what's the issue? Christ has come into the world. Jesus offers the water of life. God says the only way to come to him, to come to God, is through this person, Jesus Christ. And so then the question has to be settled. It had to be settled with her. It has to be settled with us. And that is, what will I do with this person called Jesus? Will I reject Christ or will I receive Christ? If I'm going to get to God, if I'm going to get to God, if I'm going to heaven, I have to receive Christ. If I'm going to worship God, I worship Him through Christ. Am I going to receive Christ or am I going to reject Christ? Look at verse 27. And upon this came his disciples, marvel that he talked with this woman, yet no man saith, What seeks thou, or why talkest with her? And the woman then left her water pot, and she went away into the city. She said to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Is not this the Christ? She called him Christ. Now, first of all, she called him sir. She called him a prophet. She called him Lord. Savior. Christ. Christos. Messiah. What do you call him? Do you call him sir? Do you call him a prophet, a teacher? Do you call him Lord? Your Lord. Do you call him Savior? If not, then are you ready to invite him into your life? Would you be willing to receive him? Would you be willing to acknowledge your sin and repent of your sins and and trust Him and pray and ask Him to forgive you and to save you. You see, based on His Word, the water that He gives shall be a well of living, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. That's what He gives. You have a tongue problem? Thirst problem? Transgression problem? Theology problem. So what's the lesson in all this as a Matthew? Well, we're going to come across people with a tongue problem. They're going to be prejudiced. We're going to come across people who are thirsty for salvation. We're going to come across people who try to cover their transgression. And we're going to come across people who have, who have a, a personal theology that they've developed 
Now, one thing we need to do is be tactful. Jesus, just use Jesus as an example. Be tactful. You love people to Jesus. You want to be able to share the gospel in your home, be able to go into their home. You may be planting seeds when you share the gospel. You may go back one day for a harvest. But be tactful. Be careful in what you say and how you say it. It's kind of like this barber was uh, in his barber shop. He thought that'd be a good place to reach people for Christ. And so this young man came in and said, a guy got up in the seat, barber chair. And the guy, barber, gets a straight razor out and he takes his leather strap. Starts sharpening that razor strap. He said, uh, you, you know where you're going to go when you die. So that man jumped out of that chair and he's not been found since. Be careful in what you say and how you say it. Be tactful. Okay, be tactful. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to open your word and look at a well-known passage to us. And Lord, you've showed me some lessons that I've never seen before. I preached from this passage a number of times. The last time I preached from this passage, Lord, it had to do with Jacob's well. Now you showed me something else in this passage. And I pray, Lord, for each person here. I pray for us who will be Matthews. And Father, I pray that we'll realize that we'll be Inviting people who have all different types of beliefs, theology, and hidden sin. And just help us to share about the living water. And give them an opportunity to come to know Christ. I pray for each Matthew. I pray for others who will be, perhaps today, being willing to be a Matthew. Thank you for calling us for saving us and then for giving us an opportunity, a commission really to be your witnesses. Help us to begin now to prepare in prayer as we ask you to place upon those on our heart those that we'll have in our homes. I pray for every person here this morning. I pray for those today who have prejudice. I pray, Lord, for those today who thirsty they've been to the wells of this world they walk away thirsty for those who have self-made theology i pray for those lord today who just need to come and know you as lord and savior of their life i pray lord that we'll be tactful as we share with people thank you for your holy spirit how he speaks to our hearts and so I don't know how you've spoken to people today, but I pray that during this time that people would respond to your word. Thank you for what you're going to do. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's gonna